I think it's natural that I, I want to have the best players, but I think this is something that we have to understand the reality. And today, basketball is being global, and we have a global market. Welcome to the Sports Business Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Berger. You can find the Sports Business Radio Podcast over 14 years, 500 episodes featuring conversations with people like Mark Cuban, David Stern, Jeannie Buss, Charles Barkley, Jack Nicholas, and Kyrie Irving on iTunes or at sportsbusinessradio.com. We're ranked in the top 100 of the business news podcast section on iTunes. Follow us in between podcasts on Twitter at SB Radio. We've been named a top 50 followed by Forbes.com for three consecutive years and on Instagram at Sports Business Radio. Well, thanks for joining us on this week's edition of Sports Business Radio. My guest is Jordi Bertomeo. He is the president and CEO of EuroLeague Basketball, and he is in the United States right now, so he's going to join us to talk about what EuroLeague Basketball is doing. You may know Luka Doncic of the Dallas Mavericks, the fantastic rookie. He's the latest and possibly greatest EuroLeague star to move from EuroLeague to the NBA. We'll discuss the league, its partnership with IMG, and what they're doing to grow their presence globally. That's coming up on our show today. A big announcement. The next Sports Business Radio Roadshow presented by Boingo will take place in New York City on Thursday, December 13th, when I sit down with XFL commissioner and former NCAA executive and NFL quarterback Oliver Luck, who also happens to be the father of Indianapolis Colts quarterback Andrew Luck. We will sit down at the Players' Tribune in front of a studio audience of college students who will be able to participate in a Q&A with Luck as part of the Roadshow. Thanks to Boingo for powering our Sports Business Radio Roadshow. My guest is Jordi Bertomeo. He is the president and CEO of EuroLeague Basketball. Jordi, thanks for joining us on Sports Business Radio. I understand you're in the States. Uh, tell us what you're doing in the United States. Well, we are here to, to talk with friends, to talk with people from the sports industry, with uh, one of the biggest stakeholders we have. And uh, it's interesting to have the opportunity to share our experience, to learn from other people's experience, and to see how we keep growing. EuroLeague basketball launched in 2000. You've been with the league since it launched. Explain to our listening audience, we have a lot of people who listen to this show who are NBA fans. What are the biggest differences between NBA basketball and EuroLeague basketball? Well, I think that in terms of the game itself, I will say that NBA is a fantastic game, but based probably most on, uh, on the athleticism of the players and the spectacle that they can they can offer the fans. And our, our game is probably more based on the unbelievable technical skill of our players, probably in the collective sense of the game that we have probably. And uh, then uh, it's basketball, so it's the same game. But probably if I have to define the difference between our our game and the NBA, probably that will be that the the the, the only thing that can make some difference. It's interesting that Euroleague has clubs across thirteen different countries, quite a mix of cultures, economies, politics. So it, from Russia to Turkey, Israel to Serbia to Spain, Italy, Germany, France. Can you talk a little bit about the geopolitical aspects of running a league with such diversity? But as you mentioned, there are difficulties and, and challenges as a consequence of this diversity, because uh, things that happen in one country 
impact in our league in some way. Uh, at the beginning, it was really tough because we were sitting around the table, people with different backgrounds, with different cultures. But along the years, I think we managed to create this this, this sense of, of working based on the same objectives. And, and I think in the last years, we didn't have any difficulty based on, on this fact. But still, as you said, um, from the geopolitical point of view, um, there are impacts that we cannot we cannot ignore, and we are trying to adapt ourselves to our, our reality. So I think the best example is a couple of years ago when we have issues in Turkey. So we have all of us. We have to adapt our uh, our competition to this to this new reality. But uh, fortunately, this is always a transition problem, and we can we can keep working. Jordi, in Europe, it's my understanding that the clubs qualify to play in pan-European competition like Champions League based on sports results in their domestic leagues, so there's always the risk that clubs can be relegated from one year to the next. However, I understand that your league has disrupted the traditional model and has a hybrid closed league that is closer to the U.S. model. Can you explain how clubs qualify to play in your league and how that competition structure works? Well, the fact is that the sports culture in Europe is very much influenced by the soccer culture. So this concept that you have mentioned about uh, sport results, promotion, relegations, are fundamental to understand our, our culture. But we in basketball have a strong influence from the NBA. So as a Euroleague, from the very beginning, we identified the need to give stability to our clubs. Uh, we cannot uh, make uh, our project work properly from the business side and from the side as well. Uh, 10 or 12 or 14 different teams every year, that's very difficult to present to our fans and to our partners. So we start with this concept of the stability. We are, from the very beginning, we offer long term content. And in this moment, moving toward this concept of semi close which is more close to your, your sports culture. Jordy, three years ago, EuroLeague entered into a long-term partnership with IMG, which is a very well-known company here in the States. It's interesting that an American company has made a long-term commitment to EuroLeague basketball. How are you working in concert with IMG? Well, we are working extremely well. So we knew each other because we were working together a few years before we entered in this joint venture. I think that uh, we are taking advantage of his huge expertise in, in the sports industry and their excellent uh, sales team. Um, from the other side, they understood that they identified uh, Euroleague as one of the uh, growing uh, sports properties in Europe. So they, have, they share with us a long-term vision. And together, uh, we are investing a lot of resources in, in growing our product. And uh, we already have two years since we started this partnership, and we both are very, very satisfied with the results that are over our expectations, to be, to be honest. So I think that, that uh, the decision to, to work together in this more close relationship in this joint venture was the right one for the good of the European basketball, because we never had this level of investment in European in our history in Europe. No, that's great. How does the TV distribution work for EuroLeague? Well, basically, we are working uh, in a, with, with uh, at the global basis. So, in this moment, 
EuroLeague reach more than 200 countries uh, worldwide. We have around 72 TV broadcasters are partners of the EuroLeague, and um, this is this is probably one of the the, the key um, the key factors that explains the growth of the league. That as basketball becomes global, so we are part of we are part of this of this uh, of this uh, concept. So more and more we have countries interested in our product. And, and I think that this is this is good for for our sport and of course for for the Euroleague. Luka Doncic, a rookie with the NBA's <laughs> Dallas Mavericks, played in Euroleague. It's great for Euroleague because people see that he played in your league, but maybe it's not so great that he left Euroleague and is now playing in the NBA. What are your thoughts when a player like Doncic goes from Euroleague to the NBA. Would you prefer that he stays in Euroleague, or does it make your league look great that you're sending your best players to the NBA? Mm, I think it's natural that I, I want to have the best players, but I think this is something that we have to understand the reality. And today, basketball is being global, and we have a global market. And I think it's it's obvious that uh, NBA is is the best offering for for the players worldwide. And the fact that uh, most of the uh, of the European talents are going to the NBA um, is something that it's we cannot avoid. It's something that also have to be explained in terms of the enormous capacity that our clubs to to pro, to produce talented players. Because year after year, we 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 have, despite that some players are leaving, we we keep and we increase the quality of our game. So that talks about how much and how well the our clubs work with with the young players. And from the other side, there are all players that are coming back. So as I said, this global market players goes back and forth. And obviously, uh, if in football the best players goes to Europe. In, in basketball, we have to admit that the best players go to NBA because that is the top competition. That that is aspirational and that is normal. And we we cannot complain, we cannot cry, we can keep working. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Tony Parker, uh, a legend in the NBA, longtime San Antonio Spur, now with the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, you have a club in France, and it's owned by Tony Parker. And yeah. I was thinking, other than Michael Jordan, who outright owns the Charlotte Hornets in the NBA. I don't know of another example of a player owning a team outright. Can you talk a little bit about Tony Parker's involvement with EuroLeague? Well, I uh, I don't know any active player running a, a team. Um, but Tony, from the very beginning, uh, when he owned, he bought the the, uh, the team in, in, in Esbel Villarban. Um, they had, uh, he had, uh, he shows a very strong commitment with two projects. One of them is to develop the concept of the basketball academy for young talents, and the second is to have a team in the Euroleague. And despite he is in the States, uh, he is working very close with his team in, in, in Lyon, and uh, we uh, had a very good conversation with them. We, we hope that in a short period of time they will join the Euroleague because Tony has a very clear idea of how to, to, to manage a team, how to manage a uh, sports project and a business project because he has experience in the NBA. So um, we hope that in a, in a short period of time we will be able to announce that uh, Tony's team will be part of our project very soon.
No, that's great news, and it's probably really great to have someone with his background and experience, yeah. and like you said, Definitely. his team really knows how to run an organization, so uh, kudos to you guys. What about London? You don't have a team in the UK currently, and the NBA and the NFL are going over there frequently to play games. Will we see a day where EuroLeague is able to penetrate the UK market? Well, I think that we have different objectives for the NBA. Uh, it's, it's part of the promotion. It's part of the, um, the the visibility campaign in Europe. So I think that makes sense to have only one game. But we have a different goal. So we want to have stability in our presence in, in the market. And, and we have to remember that when we started running the league in 2000, for a couple of years, we had a team in London. Unfortunately, it worked. But because our offering was very poor, so only five games was was not enough for a team in a, in a market that was still uh, young, not mature for basketball. So now the situation is different with the new format of the league, with with this um, regular season that guarantees uh, 30 games, 15 games at home. We are in a position that we can want uh, an idea to have a strong, strong post project um, can join us. And, and we are working on that. So we uh, we had people that dressed, and our expectations is in the next three four years to have to have a team playing at the Euroleague level. This is our expectation. We are working in this direction, and I'm optimistic that that will happen. That would be great. Uh, for people who have not been to the Euroleague Final Four, I have not been, but I've heard it's one of the best sporting events on earth. I know I really want to come sometime. <laughs> Give our listeners an understanding of what Euroleague Final Four is like. Well, it's a, it's a Final Four is a showcase of European basketball. It's the it's a, it's a place where everybody wants to go. So it's an example. We put themselves our tickets uh, for this final four that will be on the end of May. Two in 24 hours are sold out. So and the teams uh, and the fans comes from all, but also from states, from 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 many countries. So it's becoming a meeting point for many lovers. And it's an experience because when you come to the final four and you see competition, but uh, mixed with the passion of the fans, uh, the passion presenting the countries, you know that the competition matters. So it's a very passion also in, in, in this in this uh, in this experience, and it's a mix of, of many feelings, many experiences that make this uh, event very unique. And um, I think that. Um, it's, uh, it's an invitation for everybody to join us uh, in the Final Four this year or the following year. Jordy, you've been with the league since it launched in 2000. Not to put you on the spot, but there have been some great players that have come through the league. Give me your two or three favorite players that you've watched come through your league. It's difficult. <laughs> I'm sure we it is. Have, we have many. Since Paul Gasol to Spanulis. Uh, I'm enjoying watching Luka Doncic so far. I really like his game. Well, Luka Doncic, it's, it's, a, it's a player that probably we can have only every 15, 20 years. It's a very unique talent. Uh, I never seen, I, I think first time him uh, when he was 14 years old, 
and I was impressed at this young age. And I never seen such a player since Dresden Petrovic time. And I think even when the, the Dresden Petrovic had not this kind of level uh, when he was 18, 19, as, as was Luca. So to me, Luca is a very unique player. Unfortunately, we enjoyed him a very short time, but I think he will be he will be. Uh, an excellent NBA player. He put his mark on the league. It's my it's my conviction. Last question for you. I know you're working closely with uh, G2 Strategic and my friend Marshall Glickman. What yeah. have they been able to help you navigate uh, with their work with you? Well, we we have enjoyed a very good uh, cooperation with Marshall since he was working with uh, with us at the beginning of 2002. And since then, we we has been cooperating. He's very helpful, trying to 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 teach us the league and the clubs, especially the clubs, how to to grow the business in each area of the of the business. Uh, he's uh, he has been leading one of the most important projects we had in the last years, which is uh, is a business operations and and. Uh, and club services, a kind of Timbo uh, group in the NBA, just to give you an example. Right. That is definitely it's a strategic move to improve the business our, in our, with our clubs. And Marshall is playing a, a leading role in, in helping us in all these aspects. So we all are very grateful to, to Marshall, and we will keep working together. Well, that's great. And like you said, that's not easy because you've got 13 different countries represented in your league. There's a lot of people. I think having uh, that role is important. So everyone's roughly on the same page with everything. Jordy, thank you so much for your time on Sports Business Radio and continued success to you and good luck with your meetings in the States. Thank you very much for your, your, your words. It was a pleasure. Thank you. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Sports Business Radio is sponsored by Boingo Wireless, the largest operator of indoor wireless networks in the U.S. Today's sports fans expect strong, fast mobile connections at their favorite stadiums. Research shows that fans will leave at halftime if they cannot get connected, which is part of the reason why professional and collegiate sports venues alike work with Boingo to manage their wireless networks. As the world's leading connectivity expert, Boingo knows how to make a venue's vision for the connected fan experience a reality. They are the only company that can provide end-to-end wireless service so teams can focus on the big game, not on their network. Boingo designs, installs, and manages Wi-Fi and cellular networks at university stadiums like K-State and the University of Houston and major league venues like Soldier Field, Phillips Arena, and Vivint Smart Home Arena. We're excited to showcase how technology is changing the business of sports, led by companies like Boingo. Boingo connects you to the people and things you love, like sports. For more information, visit boingo.com or email sports at boingo.com. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. Thanks to our friends at Boingo Wireless for powering our Sports Business Radio Roadshow. Follow them online at boingo.com or on Twitter at Boingo. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast. Go to iTunes, type in Sports Business Radio. We're rated in the top 50 business news podcasts. You can also find our show on Audio Boom via the TuneIn Radio and Stitcher apps, and of course, at sportsbusinessradio.com. Follow me on Twitter in between shows at SB Radio. Follow us on Instagram at sportsbusinessradio. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. 
Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. Bringing you the biggest names in sports business. Without further ado, we all know this gentleman. Let's give David Stern a big round of applause. Let's welcome the president of the NCAA, Mark Emmert. Give him a hand. Let's give a big hand to USC alum and co-owner of the Lakers and president of the Lakers, Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. Thank you so, so much for having me, Brian. It was very, very kind, and I really enjoyed it. Thank you, sir. Sir Charles, how are you? I'm doing good, man. How you doing this morning? Today's guest is Memphis Grizzlies head coach David Fisdale. You're the man, Barrett. My guest is tennis icon Chris Albert. It was very interesting. You asked great questions, so thank you very much, Brian. Pleased to welcome to the show... Kyrie Irving, the number one pick in the 2011 NBA Draft. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm happy to be joined by Pete Carroll, the executive VP of football operations and the head football coach of the Seattle Seahawks. Coach, how are you? Doing good. What's going on? Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio.